listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Take a minute to share it today. We're going to be talking about, if you saw the the title and if you saw the ad that we put out this morning, how should Christians feel about guns and gun control? And uh, I understand that this subject can be a little bit more geared to uh, American Christians, which I understand could be more towards American Christians. Hey, Dylan, what's up with my... Does it look like I mean, look like I'm in a J.J. Abrams movie. Look at the, it's like, it's like I'm in Star Trek. Um, so I understand it could be a little bit more geared towards, um, you know, American Christians because we probably have uh, more rights, as far as I know, than any nation that I've seen or been to when it comes to uh, owning and operating firearms. I mean, you can go, like, for example, anybody watching me, anybody watching right now on the stream from Canada, throw your hand up if you're on from Canada this morning. You know, I've been to Canada many, many, many times. And, uh, you know, it's it's a whole different world once you cross the border going north. It's a whole different world. You know, you can own, you can own rifles to hunt, but, um, you know, owning a, a handgun... Is like a whole nother, whole nother thing in Canada, and even with the culture, people would be like, "What? Well, what would you need that? For? Why would you have a? You know?" So it's it's interesting, and I know it's different where you go and which province that you're in, but um, you know, it's like some of my friends were telling me that if you were going to take in Canada, if you were going to take that firearm out of the house, one guy was telling me that you know you have to call and let the authorities know that you're putting the uh, firearm in your vehicle and that you're headed to, say, for example, the shooting range. And you've got to let them know that you're headed there. And then you've got to let them know, um, I think, once you've got there, and then when you're heading back to your home and you've got to lock that thing back up again. And so uh, Tyler probably could tell us a little more. People that are living in Canada could tell us a little more. But I remember that being the case. Uh, that you can't just, like you are in the United States, you can't just take that thing out and, you know, wear it on your hip or, you know, concealed carry. I mean, that's a that's n- not even a thought. You know, you can take it down to the shooting range. You can do your shooting, come back to the, uh, come back to your house and lock it back up again. So, and that's Canada. You know, that's not, that's not like Europe or, you know, Germany or, you know, whatever. And I know Germany's in Europe, but I mean, you, I'm talking, thinking more about like the UK. Um, but it's different. You go to different countries. So I understand if people are watching from other countries and they're thinking like, well, you know, we already have <laughs> a very strict gun control, uh, in, in my nation. And I get that. I saw people jumping on from Switzerland, other, other places. So I totally understand that. Uh, but I want, I want to deal with this for all of my, all of my people that are, uh, in America, and, and I'm really, the, the concept we're going to talk about is biblical, so we're going to ask, uh, 
how how should Christians feel? For example, if Canada opened up fully tomorrow and said that all all citizens are free to uh, carry weapons and have uh, concealed carry permits and all the other stuff, you know, how should Christians feel about uh, firearms, uh, owning firearms, having them? Um, and using them, you know, we're going to talk about that, using them as well, and uh, what it means to have those rights, and especially as an American Christian, too. Um, and by the way, Danielle said her no- her notification didn't go off for YouTube, so do me a favor. Who knows how they're jacking with these things in these last moments of time, but, um, you know, check your notifications if you haven't done that. Deb said... Uh, in Texas, the law started September 1st. You can carry a gun anywhere without a permit. Yes, I did hear that. I did hear that. Um, and Texas is like its own. <laughs> it's funny when you go in the United States because I travel all the time. Uh, yeah, West Virginia is the same way. Uh, it's interesting because state to state, you have such different feelings, such different cultures, and then such different laws. You know, for example, uh, go to New England. You can go to a place like Massachusetts where if you, um, this is the way, I, I mean, it used to be this way. I'm not sure if it still is. It probably is though. Where if, if you get pulled over and you've got a loaded firearm in your vehicle in Massachusetts, you go to jail. <laughs> I mean, you go to jail. New York is a year in jail as well if caught with a firearm. So it's a, a heavy swing from state to state. Um, what the laws are, how people feel about it. Uh, you know, Illinois is like basically like a a, a communist country. And, and I know it, Britt said, dude, Massachusetts is bad even if you're just passing through the state. And so you have to have it like, you know, like, like Maine's a whole different animal, Hannah said. You know, you don't need a permit. Uh, you know, even if you're passing through the state, you know, they want your gun in a lockbox and in a place where you can't access it and separated from the the clips. So, uh, yeah, New Hampshire is different. In, in that cluster of New England, very weird, New York and Massachusetts, you go in there, and then you can go to Maine, you can go to New Hampshire. It's a totally different uh, ball game. And uh, South Carolina is another, another bear. So it's very interesting, but then you get this massive debate. And if you're just, uh, if you're just jumping on, <laughs> take a minute to share this because we get, you know, people like to argue about these things, but it, it really breaks down to what does the Bible say and what is the nature of God? Kelsey said New Hampshire is the Texas of New England. You know what? That's a good, that's a good, uh, <laughs> I like that. I'm, I'm adopting that. New Hampshire is the Texas of New England. Um, You have all these debates, you know, and then here's, here's what's, well, that, well, that's true, Danielle. Before I say what I was going to say, the the states with the highest and harshest uh, gun laws have the highest rate of gun violence, which is true because if you think about this, think about it this way. Um, You've got places like Illinois where you have Chicago, New Jersey, New York, right? Murder capitals of the United States. You got uh, some of the boroughs. Some of the boroughs have gone hipster. Some of them have gotten worse. Um, you got Camden, New Jersey. You've got Rahway, New Jersey. You've got, um, I mean, th- there's just like, there's rough areas. I've been through them. One time, I'll tell you a funny story. 
one time, I think it was Newark. We were we were driving through Newark or somewhere. It was like in the nighttime. <laughs> and Carolyn was like, oh. <laughs> Carolyn was like, oh, there's a Pier 1 Imports. <laughs> and she was like, let's stop. There's a piece of, there's something that I want there that they have at this location. We were like in downtown Newark, New Jersey. And I had the, you know, like, I think just maybe just Maddie back then. And she was a little girl. And it was downtown Newark in like the evening starting to get dark. And I was like, eh, we're probably not gonna, we're probably not gonna stop at the downtown Newark, uh, <laughs> Pier one imports. Um, but we've been to the rough areas of, of this nation and, uh, murder capitals, you know, massive, massive murder rates. And, and it, it blows your mind because you, you start to think about it. It's like, it seems like that you should have less gun violence if you just add more laws. But you know as well as I do that it's not the law-abiding citizens that are killing people. It's criminals that are killing people. And so criminals don't abide by the law. Anybody with a brain knows that. You know, passing laws doesn't change the, the state of someone's heart. That's what people need to remember, all these people that want to debate Passing laws does not change the state of somebody's heart. So the criminal, you know, how long have drugs been outlawed? It was like, yeah, well, we, we, we outlawed drugs. So, you know, there's no drugs anywhere. Yeah, exactly. There's no drugs anywhere. There's no meth and opioids on the East Coast because we've passed laws against drugs like meth and, uh, you know, heroin and fentanyl and stuff. No, it abounds. And there's an epidemic there's an epidemic. People are overdosing all over the place. I just left Crossroads Community Church just a while back, and I was talking to um, a couple about that work with people that are, are are addicted, and how terrible it is. And that even though it's it's obviously against the law, it it abounds in those places. It abounds. Drug addiction, drug abuse, overdoses. It abounds all over the place. And the same thing is going to be true for anything that's illegal. Anything that's illegal. What do you think, that sex trafficking has completely gone away because there's laws against it? No. Has child pornography disappeared because there's laws against it? No. Wicked people will continue to do wicked things. And it doesn't matter what, they don't care about the law. I saw that, Caitlin, I'm very sorry to hear it. They don't care about the law. Wicked people don't care about the law. And so they're gonna just do what wicked people do. So you can pass all the laws you want, but there's still going to be a black market. There's still going to be private sales. There's still going to be illegal sales, and people are going to be able to do what they want to do. The only problem is if you put people in a state like Illinois, where Chicago is, and all of the people that are law-abiding citizens can't have weapons and everybody else can, it's going to be a problem. You know, it's going to be a massive problem. It, you look at places like where I'm at right now, Montana. You look at places like where I grew up, West Virginia. <clears throat> you have, let me just tell you, you have a much, you have a, a a much lower crime rate, and it's not because the people are nicer. People are the same wherever you go. Human nature is the same wherever you go. It's just that when you understand that pretty much everybody has a shotgun in their truck and probably a gun in their pants. You think twice all the time about messing with people. <laughs> when you're like, you know what? 
I could flip him off, but he probably has a 12-gauge hanging in the back of his cab of his truck. He's probably got a 45 on his hip inside of his truck. I could jump out of my car and go to beat somebody to death, but I'm probably going to get shot. So, you know, people, it, 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 it's funny because people think the opposite is true. Just more laws, more control, and we'll have less. It's not, it doesn't work that way. Because I don't know how many geniuses need to hear this, but criminals don't abide by the law. <laughs> I don't know how many times people have to make that point before it's understood. Criminals don't abide by the law. And so, you know, more control is not going to help anybody. It's, it's not going to help anybody. You know, you could, be all, you could be as controlled as you want. You know, you think about it, like even where I live, that Parkland school shooting, well, they, well, that wasn't that kid's gun. That wasn't that kid's gun. He took that gun from somebody else. So you could be as controlled as you want. You know, what if that person obtained that firearm illegally, had it legally, had a permit for it, had it, you know, whatever, and someone else takes your weapon? You know, you have all kinds of situations like that where it wasn't even the guy's gun. So what are you going to do? I mean, you can't. So they say, well, we just need to take guns away from everybody. Okay. But then only people that have them left are the, are the, uh, the government and criminals. And the government... If you see the way that liberals are railing against the government, you want to defund the police. Great job. Great idea. So now you've defunded the police. So now the police can't help you with their firearms because they're not coming. They're not coming just to be like uh, smashed in the press and smashed on the nightly news because they've done their job. And so now they're not coming. They're not showing up to help you. And so now you've set it up to where the only people that have the weapons are the criminals. Law-abiding citizens don't have them. The police have been defunded and they're not coming. So the only people, it's going to be like that movie, The Purge. <laughs> it's what's going to end up happening if people keep going down the same path. And so you have to understand that those, those, that thought process is foolishness. It's absolute foolishness. And um, one of the things that I want to deal with as we talk about this as Christians. People, as Christians, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't want to have any kind of a, a weapon because God doesn't like weapons. You know, that, that's obviously what some people think about Christianity. God doesn't like weapons. God doesn't care about, about that. He just wants you to die. Well, uh, you'd have to explain away then the entire Old Testament for a God who does not change. His nature doesn't change. His attributes don't change. His personality doesn't change. In fact, put that in the comments today. God doesn't change. Write it right in the comments. God does not change. You can go through the whole Old Testament and look at God's people and look at the way they conducted themselves. Look at Abraham. He had his own personal army. Had his own personal army. Look at David. Had his own mighty men. You know. And if you think God does not want uh, the protection of the innocent, then you've not read the Bible. You've not read the Bible. And so it's, in, it's interesting to look at this because once you realize, people think we got to the New Testament and somehow God changed. His nature changed. 
And then people try to argue things like, well, see, you know, we're in the New Testament. God no longer requires uh, sacrifices, so he changed. No, he still requires sacrifice, blood sacrifice, which is why Jesus Christ's blood is an ever-present sacrifice, ever-present. It's an eternal sacrifice. God still requires blood. It's just that the blood of Jesus is an eternal sacrifice that's there in the presence of the Lord. And so it's it's interesting because people don't understand the nature of God. He doesn't change. He does not change. And so people people have this idea like, uh, you know, and, and I know there's going to be people obviously that will watch this or listen to this on the podcast and, and they'll disagree with me. And that's okay. I, I understand there will be people that disagree with me. Just like people disagreed with me uh, yesterday or whatever about uh, eschatology, end times teaching, not everybody holds the same view. I get it. But you have to hear where I'm coming from on this because it doesn't make sense if you look at the nature and character of God, his protection of sin, his command to protect the innocent and all that. And then people have this idea like, well, Christians, all Christians should do is just continually turn the other cheek all the time. And so I want to deal with a few things from the scripture and talk about it with you. Because think about this. There is, um, there's a difference. Okay, let's, let's first start with this thought. There's a big difference between the Bible prophecy that we will be hated all over the world for Jesus' name's sake, that we'll be persecuted and killed for his name's sake. Okay, I understand that. I totally get that. There are people today that are being executed, like, like, like we talked about yesterday and the day before. You go to uh, Afghanistan right now. There are Christians being executed because they've got the Bible app on their phone, because they own a Bible, they serve the Lord, and they're being executed by the Taliban. That right there is um, Bible prophecy. I mean, that's what Jesus was talking about. They will persecute you and they will kill you and, and hate you because of my name, because of my name. So truly being killed for being a Christian, the apostles were killed for being Christians. The early church was killed for being Christians. For the first 300 years, uh, of the church, before the peace of the church under Constantine, there were people being murdered for being Christians. Jesus prophesied it. It would come to pass. But what do you do when it's just a wicked person coming against your family? I want you, I want you to think about this. What do you do when it's somebody um, that doesn't even know who you are, what you stand for, what you're about? What if it's just a... a, a literally a breaking and entering, it's a home invasion. And the person doesn't know who you are. They just want your stuff. And they're <clears throat> violent people. Your children are in danger. Your wife is in danger, right? That person doesn't know you're a Christian. That person doesn't even know who you are. They just saw your house and saw your stuff and wanted to steal it. And so that doesn't fall under Bible prophecy in that way that you know they hate you because you're a Christian. They don't even know you're a Christian. And so what do you what are you trying to what what are those people trying to argue that because you're a Christian you ought to let them just come into your house harm your children harm your wife take your stuff 
and whatever to be a witness. First of all, if they don't even know you're a Christian, how is it a witness to them? How is it a witness to them? If they kill your kids and your wife and run out with your flat screen TV, how is that a witness to those people that did what they did? It's not a witness. You think they're going to get back to the house and be like, man, he didn't even retaliate. I wonder, he must be a Christian. You know what? I'm, I feel bad now. I'm going to take this flat screen back. I can't unkill the children and can't unkill the wife, but I'm taking the flat screen back. They don't know and they don't care. There are wicked people in the world that seek to simply do harm, that seek to simply destroy. And, um, you know, you, you're, you could put up with it if you want to. I'm not, I'm not going to put up with that or deal with that in my life. And it's not because I don't have a heart towards God. It's not because I don't have a heart uh, for the things of God or a heart for people. Uh, actions carry consequences. Actions carry ramifications. Think about this. You know, people always point to Jesus, but, but you have to remember something about Jesus. He was sent to the earth for a purpose. He was the redeemer. He was the Messiah. And so when you point to things where, you know, uh, why do you think he rebuked Peter? When, when he told Peter that I'm going to be taken away, I'm going to be, you know, killed. He said, no, Lord, if, you know, far be it from you, you don't be. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't even know why I've come. And so what, why do you think in, in the garden when, when prophecy was unraveling, Jesus was getting ready to be taken into that uh, and, and that whole process of crucifixion was going to be started, his trial, his crucifixion, his bear. Why do you think that all that was going on when they're in the garden and Peter's ready to defend Jesus so that they don't take him away? And Jesus tells, tells him to put the sword in the sheath. Why do you think he's done? Put that away. Because see, Jesus understood prophetically what he had to do. He understood what he had to do. He had to complete the redemption act for the people of God. And if you were, think about this, if Peter had simply uh, tried to defend Jesus, even if he had succeeded and, and struck down all of the uh, Roman officers that were there. What he would really have been doing would have been destroying redemption for all of us because Jesus was on his way to the cross and Jesus knew it, knew what he needed to do. And so he said, put it away. But how, what, what do you do about the Old Testament? Because you think that's a different God in the Old Testament? Or did, now think about this. If God is against the destruction of people as a whole, you know, defense to destruction. I want, I want you to hear this. If God is against defense to destruction, what do I mean by defense to destruction? Defending yourself to completely eliminate the threat and destroy the one that's attacking. If God's against that, then he acted very hypocritically throughout the whole Old Testament. Because how do you explain See, when I'm talking about protecting your children and protecting your wife and your loved ones, that's what God was doing in the Old Testament. He's the father and he was protecting his children. So how do you explain, if you think God's against that, how do you explain after the exodus from Egypt and Pharaoh and his entire army are pursuing God's children to take them back to abuse them further and probably to kill them? How do you explain then that God opened up the Red Sea for the purpose of letting his people cross through? I want you to think about this. God did not just allow the children of Israel to pass through the Red Sea. 
God then left the sea open on purpose. He left the sea open on purpose. And as Pharaoh and his entire army started to come through the sea, God was the one who then let the waves crash down on Pharaoh and his army and killed every last one of them. Killed them. Completely destroyed them. Completely destroyed them. And so if you think God is against protection, you've not read the Old Testament. You've not read how God himself and those that he uh, called and used brought protection. And so... You think about when David, when David was at Ziklag and the Bible says that uh, their wives and their children had all been abducted by the raiders. And um, David inquired of the Lord and said, should I pursue them? He said, and the Lord said to him, you know what the Lord didn't say? Well, you know, you need to just turn the other cheek, David. You know, I know your wives and all your men's wives have been abducted. I know your children have been taken into slavery but you just need to accept it because suffering is a part of following God and you need to understand these things happen and this is just my way of showing you how to depend more fully on me. No, God said, yes, you pursue them, you will conquer them and you will recover all. Pursue them, you will conquer them and you will recover all. And God's the one that gave David the word. God is the one. So if you think God, you know, how can you, how do you think that God, here's what blows my mind. I, I'm giving you this step by step so that you understand it. How can you think that God feels the way that some of these wishy-washy Christians feel? Because God does not allow the foolishness to go on that some people do. You know, you, you think, think about 2 Kings 19. I preach this passage all the time. But Hezekiah, king of Judah, is now being threatened by King Sennacherib of Assyria. And they are mocking God's people and threatening them. We're going to kill your men. We're going to take your women and children into slavery. And then we're going to destroy your temples, tear down your altars. And if you think your God can deliver you from us, you're a fool. Because every nation we've conquered has thought the same thing, that their God was going to deliver them from us, and they didn't. And we tore down their statues and their altars and their Asherah poles, and, and they could not. We took their women and children into slavery. We killed their men, and you will be the same. All right? Well, if you think God's cool with that and not defending his children, then explain to me why when Sennacherib put 185,000 troops around Judah, that in the night, God sent down one angel that slaughtered, hear me, slaughtered every one of those soldiers, 185,000 men God slaughtered in one night by angelic assistance. And if you think God's not into protecting his children with lethal, with lethal force, you don't know God and you've not read the Bible. You've not read the Bible. God was clear with Abraham. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. God is not on everybody's side. People need to realize that. God is not on everybody's side. He's not on everybody's side. I'll bless those that bless you. 
I will curse those that curse you. God's not on everybody's side. God destroyed his people's enemies throughout the Old Testament and even in the New. Even in the New, God saw fit. You know, even people, you know, God was willing. Look at how people rebelled against God. God did not mind because he understood the danger of it. Now, I understand we're bringing this back to guns and gun control, which I will bring back in a second, but I want you to, first I'm talking to you about the nature and character of God because people make this argument that Christians should all be pacifists. Nobody should ever protect themselves. Nobody should ever protect their family. Nobody should ever, you know, no self-defense. You should just let it come. You should just let it happen. You just need to take the beatings, all of that, as it's gonna be some, some kind of a witness uh, to God when people don't even know. They're just wicked people. They don't know who you are. They don't know you're a Christian. They don't know your children. And, and Lenan is right. There is a time to turn the other cheek. There is a time to show the love of God in that way, but there is a time to protect your family as well. And so we're talking about this because there's people thinking, well, no Christian should ever be for guns. No Christian should ever be for guns. And that's, that's how some people feel. I obviously do not feel like that. I own many guns and I have no, no qualms about it, no issues with it. I don't feel guilty about it. I don't feel conviction because I, I understand the scripture. And so I don't feel one bit bad about it. Would I protect my family using lethal force? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Self-defense is not the same thing as murder. Soldiers that are acting uh, on behalf of their country are not committing murder. They are defending. You know, if you've got, you think about what what went on. I'm, I'm not even going to get into this broadcast to be three hours. But let me uh, let me talk to you about this. If you think God's against that, if you think Jesus is against that, let me read you a passage from Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to read you verses 35 through 38. Luke 22, verses 35 through 38. And now listen, as we read this passage, I want you to understand that people have a hard time with it. You know, people do have a hard time with it. People... uh they think it's a very hard passage to uh, interpret. But I want you to plainly, I want to plainly read to you what Jesus said to his disciples. Luke 22, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, that's his disciples, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. I'll stop there and make just a, an off-topic point, but notice the, the prerequisite, when I sent you. Did you lack anything when I sent you? Being led by the Spirit is the key to, to, not, op, to not being in lack and, and without enough and all of that. You gotta be led by the Spirit of God. He said, I sent you out with no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Did you lack anything? They said nothing. And he said to them, uh, but now let the one who has a money bag take it. And likewise, a knapsack. Now listen, and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me 
has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. It is enough. So Jesus, first of all, let me make a few points here. Number one, Jesus didn't rebuke them for having swords. In fact, he, he instructed them at this point in the timeline to sell their cloak to buy a sword. Let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy a sword. So first of all, let it be said, and if you understand the Old Testament and the nature of God, um, God is not against weapons, and Jesus was not against weapons. Now later, he did say, whoever lives by the sword will die by the sword. Well, of course, of course that's true. We understand, we understand the law of seed time and harvest. If that's the way you live your whole life, that's, that's the kind of harvest you're going to receive in your life. That's what's going to happen to you in your life. But God's not against weapons, and neither is Jesus against weapons. When they pulled the two swords out, did he rebuke them? How can you have those things and call yourselves my disciples? How do you already have two swords? Like, I can't understand you. There's just violence and evil in your heart. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said, it's enough. It's enough. And if you don't have one, sell your cloak and buy one. Sell your cloak and buy one. So it, it, it's got to be said that God's not against weapons and Jesus is not against weapons at all. He didn't rebuke them for having them. He told them to buy one. I know you are, Nancy. I know I said that at the beginning. There's people watching from countries where people don't, people don't and people can't carry weapons. So... Uh, you can listen into the principles of this broadcast, but for American Christians that are listening, one of the things that I want you to understand is that uh, in our nation, we have constitutional rights, and those constitutional rights do not contradict the Scripture. You know, the right to bear arms does not mean that you're disappointing God if you follow or, or take advantage of your constitutional rights. It's, it doesn't make you less of a Christian. It doesn't make you uh, a careless Christian. And it doesn't make you a person who doesn't walk in love. You can walk in love. You can live in love and still own weapons. I don't know why people have such a hard time understanding that. Jesus isn't against weapons. God's not against weapons. And Jesus commanded his disciples to buy weapons. Now, was Jesus militarizing his disciples? No, he was not. You know, was he commanding like, you know, the actions that took place during the Crusades? No, he was not. Turn to Jesus or die by the sword. That's not what he was, in, it's not what he was instructing them. That is not what Jesus was teaching. So for people that are nut jobs, that, you know, they're using these scriptures to like militarize the body of Christ. That's not what Jesus was teaching. Jesus was not teaching that. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with self-defense and defending yourself. Um, should you, uh, how should you feel as a Christian in America about uh, gun control? Let's talk about that for a minute because it's, a, it's an important thought. How should you feel as a Christian in America about gun control? I'll tell you, because some things, you know, here's what's crazy that people don't get. 
people don't understand the way that things work in if we talked about it from like a spider web principle one strand touches another strand that strand touches five more strands and it's like a domino effect that if you let one thing go the rest begin to fall and and the thing that you have to be careful of especially in America as we see what's going on right now, we talked about this in regards to eschatology a couple of days ago, end times. My uncle Tiff has preached some great messages about uh, why is America not mentioned in Bible prophecy? And he gives five different scenarios in his message that could be why America is not mentioned in the Bible in end times Bible prophecy, because people can't understand that. If America is such a strong nation, if America is such a strong nation then and we're, we're a world leader, then why would we not be mentioned in the Bible in end times Bible prophecy? And it freaks people out. But he begins to give a few different scenarios that could be possible in the end times. You know, if we're going to have, I talked about this this week, if we're going to see a one world government fully take over, I believe we talked about this on Monday, you can't have strong independent nations. You cannot have strong independent nations if you're going to have a one world government. Nations have to be subdued. Nations have to be subdued. And if you don't think that what's going on in America right now is part of America being subdued, you know, you've got politicians making decisions that don't even make sense. You know, why would you let nations that are hostile toward us I want you to think about this logically. Why would you let nations that are hostile toward us come in and start buying up water? Like, wa like not only water, but land, tons of land in your nation. Why would you let them start to take our jobs and move them to their nations and start denying, making it harder for people and corporations to stay in America for the, for the, uh, economic welfare of our nation and letting all those things move over to the nations that are hostile toward us, like China. Why? If anybody with a brain in their head that wanted to preserve America, why would they allow these things to happen? Why would they allow China to come in and start buying up water rights and buying up land and buying up cattle? Buying, you know, China bought Smithfield hams. China bought the Waldorf Astoria in, in New York City. Why would you start letting nations that are hostile toward us buy up a whole lot of uh, uh, water and land and produce and stuff in our own nation? Why would we start sending our, our jobs and our corporations over to those nations? So they make money, but we don't. We're going to start taxing our people here, our corporations, higher than they do in China and other nations, so they have to move. You think they're not trying to, like, shut the economy down? You think they're not trying to reset our nation? Our nation's too strong for what these globalists want. If you don't get that, you need to understand it. Our nation is too strong for what the globalist agenda wants to see happen. So there's an active push. That's not conspiracy theory. <laughs> Nobody with a brain in their head would look at what's going on and say, well, yeah, you know, they're just doing the best thing for America. They're not doing the best thing for America. They're doing the best thing for the globalist agenda. And one of the things they have to do to truly crush America is they have to strip Americans of their freedoms. So how do they do that? How do you strip a nation that for, you know, over 300 years, over 300 years, you know, 
has been free. How do you do that? And my father preached his first revival in the bicentennial year of 1976 in Philadelphia. So since just since the Declaration of Independence to 1976, 200 years of pure freedom. How do you take a, take a population that's been purely free and strip away their freedom so that they're okay with it? Well, don't you think that the, the things you would need to do, tell me if this sounds familiar to you. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You have to get the population to be dependent on the government. We dealt with that this week. You've got, you need a population that's fully dependent for their health care, for their food, for their money, for their housing. What do you think's going on? Why do you, what do you think is happening? Where people, you know, why do you think the government wants to be in health care? Why do you think, you know, you look at Medicaid, Medicare, welfare, uh, uh, um, I'm blanking on the word. Um, government housing. I just lost the the uh, eight. What's the word I'm looking for? It just slipped my mind. Um, yeah, Section Eight housing. All all of that. Why do you think all these things are taking place? Why do you think you need a you need a population that is dependent upon the government? And then what do we what do you do next so that Americans as, the, as generations roll on, don't feel any way about it, that you begin to change the education system and start to teach people how to feel. You change the culture so that people are shamed if they hold those uh, independent freedom mentalities. You shame them. You shame them. You, you teach it in schools. You teach what you want to have happen. You take control of the education system and you begin to indoctrinate the children that are going to be growing up into teenagers and then adults and making decisions and voting. And what you do is you indoctrinate them to believe that having those independent rights is wrong. That's bad. That's selfish. And that's exactly what they're doing. It's exactly what they're doing. Look at the way culture has shifted just in the last 30 years. Look at how woke everybody is and how great is how great it is. You got college students that are so woke, a bunch of pansies, can't handle anything. They've got colleges now that have to have dark rooms where students, college students, because they're so stressed out, can go into these dark rooms and color in coloring books. That's not a joke. That's serious. And you look at the uh, 19 and 20-year-olds in 1944, 1943, on their way to fight in World War II, and you've got 19 and 20-year-olds now that are cowering in dark rooms, coloring in coloring books because they can't handle what's going on. I'm just telling you, it's demonic. I heard that, Alex. The school board in Virginia Beach just voted to allow transgenders in whatever bathroom they'd like in public school. I'm just telling you, it's a full indoctrination setup for the next generation so that now we've got a population who's dependent upon the government. We've got a population who believes all of the... Uh, indoctrination and all of the uh, propaganda that's being spewed by everybody. And, and that, Cora, that's why I did that broadcast on why if you have the ability to homeschool your children, you should do so immediately. Our schools are cesspools. So what are you going to do? Because uh, part of our, our Second Amendment right, uh, well, the reason that we have that uh, is because we were uh, in that position where we didn't want to be uh, oppressed by tyrannical governments. We didn't want to ever be in that situation again, ever. You know, that's what they were fighting for. 
That's what the whole, that's what the whole Revolutionary War was about. They didn't want to be under a, 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 a tyrannical government. You know, you think about that. Taxation without representation. They just tax you however they want to tax you because they're the government and you're the peasant. And they just take what's yours. They didn't ever want to be in that situation again and shouldn't ever have to be. So you know what they did? They created a structure and a system so that people didn't ever have to be in that situation again. And people mock us. You know, there's people like dummies like Piers Morgan that when he was in the United States, and thank God he's gone, but when he was in the United States and he had people on his show and he would, he would mock them about guns, you know, owning guns. You really think you need guns? Why do you think you need a gun? And, and Ben Shapiro flat out told him, because I'm, I want to be ready to protect myself if the government ever chooses to become tyrannical again. Oh, really? Do you really think that's possible? Oh, it's possible. It's happened in the last 30 years in nations all around the world. What do you think? People don't want more power? Of course they do. Which is why Americans have been given the right to bear arms. It's not for hunting. It's like, well, you know, people like try to make it like it's for, it's not for hunting. It's not for hunting. According to the Constitution, it is for the protection against tyrannical government. Yeah, I, I agree. Sheepdog on watch said, I bet Australians wish they had their firearms about now. You better believe they, they do wish that. Because let me tell you, it's... <laughs> My cousin made a great point, which is funny. If you think, you know... Our president made a made a, a a comment. Some of you will remember about like how pointless how, how pointless it is. Oh, hey, Glenn. Um, how pointless it is for citizens to have firearms because the government can just nuke you. I mean, he he made that comment like a dummy. Like you're you're right. So you, you got you're gonna have you, you're gonna have your government. It's like just just thinking about him saying that. Really. You're going to have the Navy or the Air Force fire up some F-18s and fly them through the United States, shooting nuclear missiles down into the cities and towns of America? You moron. That's not going to, you should, you know, what point is it having a firearm if you know the government can nuke you? You're not going to nuke your own country, you moron. But even with that being said, just keep in mind, if you will, that we sent our very best and most highly trained soldiers to Afghanistan. And we had the technology, we had the weapons, we had the training, and we had the hardest time in the world dealing with goat farmers with primitive weapons. We couldn't deal with goat farmers with primitive weapons. Took us forever and ever. And you're not talking about goat farmers. You're talking about Americans who are not running around with a sickle and a scythe. You're talking about Americans that are running around with stuff that's as good as what the military has. And so you talk about tyranny. It's, it's very hard for a government to take control of their population when their population's all armed and has the freedom to be armed. So if you think that, you know, this is the thing people <clears throat> people miss. And they think, well, you know, it's just about, it's really just about being able to hunt when you want to. And if you want to go to the firing range to shoot and shoot some, you know, if you want to be in part of competition, fire, you know. No, it's not about that. That's not what the uh, our forefathers were thinking about. 
They weren't thinking about taking a trip down to the sh- shooting range or jumping into into a you know competition. That's that's not what they were thinking about. They were thinking about we don't want this to ever happen again. So why do you think that there's for those of you if you don't if if you don't have firearms or if you're not a part of this, you don't do this kind of stuff, you'll know that, you know, if they can't one of the things that's happening is if you can't take firearms away from people, what's the next logical thing to do to make it pointless to own one? Take the ammunition away. Why do you think there's been such a push? It's been so hard over the last few years to to uh, get ammunition the way you want. Places I've gone, you walk in and the store will tell you, we're only allowed to sell you one box. And I'm talking about not a handgun, even shotgun shells. We're only, we're only allowed to sell you one box of shells. We're only allowed to sell you two boxes of shells. We can only sell you one box of 40 caliber. What do you do? And what do you do when the government starts buying up all the gunpowder, all the lead? You know, even if you, if, you, if you do self-loading. Well, what's the point? The point is, even if you own a gun, it's pointless because the ammunition is being bought up by Homeland Security or the government or the, uh, the United Nations. You see what I mean? And what are they? What's the agenda? If you don't understand it, and this is not conspiracy theory. Once again, it's not conspiracy theory. I'm explaining to you how does someone take down a nation? You first indoctrinate the young people until they're the ones that grow up with a completely different mindset about those freedoms. You get everybody as much as you can dependent upon the government, so that the full control from the government can be there. I, I, I mentioned this the other day, talking about Bible prophecy. Do you know how easy it's going to be? to get people to take the mark of the beast when that does come, when they tell you, listen, we're just, and it's not gonna be some devious thing. You'll see people, because remember, remember this. The Bible says that at the same time that the mark of the beast is being rolled out, the Bible says that the whole world will have marveled and followed after the beast. After his resurrection, the Bible says in Revelation 13. Think about this for a moment. It's not a hostile thing. It's not like a hostile takeover. Think about it. The Bible says right after the whole world marvels and follows after the beast and worships him because of the false prophet, then they'll roll out the mark of the beast, which people will be happy to get. And nobody will be able to buy or sell. It'll be a convenience thing. It'll be a safety thing. It'll be a healthcare thing. You know, you'll have all these things that'll be available to you. Oh, yeah, you can buy, you can so easily sell, you can get your health care. All that stuff's available now, but then it'll be mandatory. And so how do you do that? You have the whole population dependent upon the government for everything. If you've looked at Agenda 2030, they don't want people owning land. I don't know if you know that or not. They don't want people owning homes and property. The government wants to own it. They want you to lease it. If you've ever seen that video when they, that they had out on uh, Agenda 2030 that the government put out, the government, they had to take it down because it got so much blowback. But if you can find it on YouTube, watch it. And one of the things they said is, uh, yeah, the World Economic Forum. One of the things that they said was, you know, by the year 2030, you will own nothing and be very happy about it. It's like, really? <laughs> you know, it's like, why would I feel happy about not owning anything unless... People are being indoctrinated to believe that owning property is wasteful or owning livestock is wasteful or eating meat is wasteful. You know, that's one of the other things they said. 
in the World Economic Forum video that, you know, you, you'll have very little, uh, if any, beef or meat like that. And, and I'm just telling you, if you don't think that there's an agenda, you can this stuff you can look up on your own. I don't have to tell you. Some of you have already seen th and looked through it. But if you don't think these things, part of an antichrist system is already at work, then you, you don't understand the Bible and you don't understand human nature and you don't understand the, the devil's nature to steal, kill, and destroy. And so one of the things that you've got to understand is when I talk about uh, how American Christians should uh, feel about gun control, one of the things that I'm, I'm thinking about in my mind as I think about that is that the longer that we have a free, sovereign nation, the longer we have to preach the gospel freely and to see people saved and to see revival hit, as long as we uh, extend it to see uh, a sovereign and free nation, the longer we'll have to do the work of the Lord unhindered. Now, can you do the work of the Lord when there's hindrances? Of course you can. Look at the nations where uh, being a Christian's illegal, like China. They still have underground churches that are thriving, but it's much easier to do the work of the Lord when you're not being hindered every single day by the government that's pushing back against you with lethal force, obviously, obviously. And so the reason I make these points, how should a Christian feel about guns and gun control? Well, in America, you should feel good about it because it's one of the freedoms that's allowing you to not be completely oppressed by a tyrannical government and allow you to have freedom to worship and to do the things you want to do without, look, look, look at what went on in Canada. People thought, well, Canada and America are pretty much the same place. They're not the same place. People acted like that. People literally talked like that and thought like that. Well, you know, Canada and America are basically like the same country. They're not the same country. And they're not like the same country. And those of you that are watching that live in Canada can attest to that. Putting fences around churches, you know, dragging pastors out, shutting people down, you know, armed guards surrounding your church, putting fences up. I mean, my, my, my cousin Jessica and her husband Steve, every week that they stayed open, they had people coming by, you know, people standing in the parking lot, police. And my, my uh, cousin or husband, Steve, they, he would go right out and talk to them about their rights and their freedoms in Montreal, in Quebec. And I'm just telling you, if you think it's the same nation, it's not the same nation. And don't ever think that we just, well, you know, we have a free nation. That's why they were never. No, they tried to crack down in America like they did in other countries, and the people wouldn't have it. People just stopped complying. People just quit complying. You know, you look at what's going on right now. People have just completely stopped complying. You know, they said, well, you need to still exercise a lot of caution. You need to exercise a lot of caution because of the Delta variant and all these things. Look at college football stadiums. People have completely stopped complying. You know, and so don't ever think. It's like, well, you know, they just do what just wasn't as bad in America. They wanted it to be the same as in Canada. They wanted it to be the same as Australia. They wanted it to be the same as South Africa. They wanted it to be the same as everywhere else, except you can't do those types of things here because of the way our nation is set up, because of the way the population is set up. You cannot do those same things here, and the people weren't having it, and the people would not stand for it. And that's just bottom line. That's why we're not in concentration camps. 
in the United States of America, like they are in Australia, sitting in quarantine camps. We're not here. We're not. It's not the same. You understand the point I'm making? It's not the same in this nation. So as we have this freedom and this liberty, you know, you have to be somebody that stands for freedom and liberty and stands up for it and takes it and doesn't take it for granted and understand what it means for the church. Understand what it means. You know, here's what I don't get. We've got people that have been so soft for so long. They don't understand the blessing or the benefit of of having those freedoms. They don't understand it. And so you got churches that are still asleep, that are still just coasting along. Even though they've got all these opportunities, all these freedoms, they're still just coasting along, not doing anything for the Lord. When there's people in nations that run churches and that are Christians that wish they had the freedom and ability to do the things we can do and people won't do them. As I put that thing up on on Twitter the other day about yeah, Christians are hungry for revival as long as you know there's coffee in the in the lobby and it doesn't go too late and it's not too loud and the weather's not too bad and the weather's not too nice and there's childcare and it. people are coasting, they're coasting along, and they're not taking advantage of the freedom we have while there's people in other countries that wish they had the freedoms that America has to do what they feel to do in their they wish they do. And so you say, well, how could a Christian stand for, uh, for you know, gun rights and owning guns? I absolutely do. Jesus had no problem with weapons. God had no problem with weapons and, or self-defense. And on top of that, I understand how all of these things connect to withstanding a one-world government and to slowing the, the time frame of moving into the final moments where a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world monetary system is set up. And obviously, if you understand the Bible, that's what's going to happen. But the longer that we can stay here and be the salt and the light, the longer we have the ability to be free and to preach the gospel, the longer we have to see evangelism at work and to see people changed by the power of God. You say, are you really connecting gun rights and gun control? Absolutely. Because understand something, there is, and I love other nations. I don't want you to hear this from some like haughty, proud American, you know, like that's not, I'm not saying it like that. I've been to other nations and I love other nations. I love other nations a lot. Nations I've traveled to, I love those people. I love their nation, love their culture. I really enjoy being with them. And when I tell you that uh, I love America, it's not because I'm just some redneck you know, uh, fundamentalist that's out here screaming for gun control. I'm telling you that I see the value in the freedoms that we hold and what it gives us as people in control to do what we're called to do. It's a wonderful thing to have freedom on every side like that. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And so do I believe Christians should be against it? I think you're a fool. If you're a Christian and you want uh, people to be disarmed. You're a fool. I honestly believe that. And that's, that's, that seems harsh. It's not harsh. It's just cold, hard facts. If you're a Christian, that your mind is so shallow that you can't see the interconnected uh, spider web of what's going on in the world. And if you're a Christian that wants to see American Christians and population in America disarmed, you're a fool because you don't understand how things are connected. You don't understand what holds tyranny back, and you don't understand what gives this nation the freedom and the rights that we have. 
It's because the power has been given to the people. Why do you think that they want, they need to screw with elections? Why do you think they need to screw with those things? Because the people have too much power for the globalists. In their mind, it's too much power. They don't believe you should let people govern themselves like that. They, they honestly believe people are too dumb, too narrow-minded to let them govern themselves. You've got to do it for them. You got to do it for them. You got to put put people in into like little government housing, like a pen, like they're animals. You got to pack everybody in high rises and you know tell them what they can and can't do and take away their rights. They believe that stuff. If you've not listened to me, if you've not listened to any of these videos where elitists are talking on camera and sharing these ideals, where they don't believe that the average population is smart enough. To, to govern themselves and to have power and to have freedoms. It needs to be taken from them for the greater good. That's how these elitists believe, these globalists believe like that. They look at people like animals, like herds of animals. Do you realize that right now there are people, high echelon people, that believe in depopulation, that want to lower the population of the world? Too many, too many people in the world. You know, these things are real. Oh yeah, I know. Klaus Schwab, I know, I, I know for sure. Part of the World Economic Forum, absolutely. I know it. Total globalist. My dad quoted Klaus Schwab uh, in one of his uh, one of his recent things that he sent out. Bill Gates, absolutely. Depopulation, taking control. Those things are real. If you understand uh, human nature, especially wicked human nature, you know what it is. It's greed, it's power, it's it's control. And if you don't think that evil men that are unsaved want those things, you don't know anything about human nature, none. And the fact that we have uh, freedoms in America is a blessing. And to lay those freedoms down is a tragedy. And it's foolishness. It's total foolishness. Any Christian that doesn't understand these things has their head in the sand. They're an absolute fool. Absolute fool. Am I for guns? Yes, I am. Am I for anybody being able to get a gun? As long as you're not a, 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 a ex-convict, yes. As long as you're not a criminal, yes. But I, I believe that law-abiding citizens should have every right. Every right. Every right. I mean, you know, see, that's, this is why people don't understand like the types of guns. You know, that, that, that's why there's always those arguments like, well, what, you know, you've got a shotgun. Why would you actually need, why do you need a handgun? <laughs> why do you need an AR-15? That, and that's, that's what they don't get. They, they, that's what they think. Like, well, you don't, you don't need all that. Why do you think you need all that? For the same reason. Like, this is, here, let me say another thing real quick. And, and I am pray for you at the end of this. But let me, let me say this. Do you honestly think that because our forefathers had muskets, that they wouldn't have been cool with writing the Constitution if AR-15s were available to them? You don't think that the, you don't think our forefathers would have picked up an AR-15 in the Revolutionary War if they had the opportunity to do so. You better believe they would have. And they would have used it. 
the red coats would have been full of AR-15 rounds. Absolutely, they would have. I've actually heard people make that argument, and they'll put like a little meme up, like with, with the Revolutionary War soldiers running around with muskets, you know, with a bayonet on it, and then like modern-day people with an AR-15. It's like, I don't think this is what the forefathers had in mind when they said the right to bear arms. If those technologies would have been available, you better believe they would have been carrying them around. People are so dumb. They're so dumb. Well, do you know how long it took to reload a musket? Do you know how long it took to pour the powder in and to load the lead ball and to put the charger? Do you know how long it took to do all that? I don't think AR-15s is what they had in mind. If they were available, they would have had it in mind. Because the exactly, Kristen, the effect was the same, and that is exactly the end result they were looking for. That's exactly the end result they were looking for. You don't think they would have protected our nation in 1776 with AR-15s if they had access to them? Of course they would have. Let me ask you this. If they, if they didn't care about weaponized technology, why do you think then that we had all of our soldiers fighting with muskets? Why do you think they just didn't just throw those muskets down and pick up swords like it was years and years before that? Why, why do you think they didn't fight the Redcoats with swords and spears? Why do you think they picked up a musket? Because it was the best possible technology of the day. Why do you think they picked up rifles and there were riflemen later on? Exactly. That's why they wrote arms, not muskets, when they wrote the Second Amendment. That's exactly right. Because if they would have had access to that technology, they would have used it. They would have absolutely used it. It is what they meant because they understood the danger of tyrannical government and control. And that's the same thing we're facing today. It's the same thing every single generation faces because human nature doesn't change. And the Antichrist agenda doesn't change. The Antichrist system doesn't change. I mean, if, if, if all you did today was just go back and read some history about what had to happen in nations like Germany and, and what they did in other nations before this dictatorship control took over. If you just look at the propaganda, you go back and look at the different things that the government was telling the young people, how they got everybody all frothed up with this uh, mindset and, and all of that. And then look at what they did with, uh, look at the incinerations. What do you think that was about? Burning all the books. Why were they burning books? I need to control the thoughts of the population. They don't need to think for themselves. They need to let me think for them. You understand? And so you, if, if all you did today was just go read through some of that and understand when you see these things coming back again, you know, why everything is questioned. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Why do you think? And so Christians need to understand, and especially American Christians need to understand, stand up for your rights. Don't let people push you around because they either they're ignorant or they have an antichrist spirit. They have an antichrist agenda in their heart. And there are evil men at work. And Christians should not feel any, not a bit bad, not a bit convicted. I'm just telling you. And these things need to be said because people go around like literally bashing other, oh, he's a Christian, but you've got all those guns, don't you? As if, as if that's somehow... Uh, contradictory one to the other. And it's not. 
Why would Jesus tell? And I know there's people that argue this passage and say, well, you have to really look into the text and understand what Jesus was really trying to say. If G- What was Jesus trying to trick his disciples? You think he was trying to trick his disciples? I read a guy online that said, well, you know, when you read Jesus saying things like this, you know, that sell, take anyone who has a, no, sword, no sword, sell his cloak and buy one, you have to really understand that, uh, you know, you, you could look at another passage like Jesus talking to the rich young ruler and say, sell all you have and give it to the poor. But should we, should we all sell all we have? No. And guess what? Jesus didn't even tell everybody to do that. He told the rich young ruler to do that. He didn't tell his disciples to do it. He didn't tell Christians to do it. He told that one man to do it. But look at the look at the verbiage of, of Luke 22. Uh, let, let the one, that's anyone, let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. It's different than telling, he didn't just turn around and speak to Peter and say, hey, Peter, do you have a sword? Okay, if you don't, sell your cloak and buy one. He said, let the one, that means anyone who doesn't have a sword, sell his cloak and buy one. There's a difference there. Why would Jesus try to trick his disciples? I need you to read between the lines as I'm saying this to you. No. No. And people are foolish. My nephew Alex said he watched a clip of a pastor saying that he would let his wife and kids get shot by a robber before shooting him because it's Christ-like. What a dummy. What a dummy. So stupid. Absolutely stupid. And I'm just telling you, we we like we need to stand up for what we have the right to do in America like never before. And you know what? I'm actually very happy because more, more people in America than I thought stood up and weren't having it. I know there were some that were disappointing, but you know what? I knew a, I knew a bunch of pastors. I knew a bunch of people that they, they, they were not going to lay down. They weren't going to bow their knee to the spirit of this world. And thank God for people like that. If you're watching from other nations, you're like, we can't even have it. I understand that. I understand that. You might be from, from a nation watching that, you know, you can, but there's restrictions. You shouldn't feel bad about it. You shouldn't feel bad about it. Christians in America shouldn't feel bad about it. And you should sell your cloak and buy one. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, people don't understand that there's a connection. That's the point I want you to get today in your spirit. There is a connection between our freedoms and domination. And domination is literally Bible prophecy. It's it's Bible prophecy. The Antichrist spirit wants to take over. But that's why I preached the other day. You can't take over until the church is gone. We carry the power of the Holy Ghost in our spirits. We have dominion over the devil. And while we're here, we have control. We have control by the power of God. And we need to do what we can do to continue to stand in freedom in this nation and see the gospel preached. No hindrance, no, no nothing holding back. You know, there's a reason we didn't experience military on the streets in this nation with machine guns telling people to get back in their homes, get out of the church. Don't cut. There's a reason we didn't have that in this nation. And those types of freedoms need to be kept. Those, those types of freedoms need to be guarded and valued. Don't let this woke, stupid woke generation tell you to feel any differently. 
It's ridiculous. People have worn tight pants for so long that their cajones have shriveled. And their masculinity is gone. Gone. You've, you've had too much soy in your coffee. It is gone. Don't listen to these woke preachers and these woke Christians and all these people that they've traded, they've traded their freedoms already in their mind. They're already able to be controlled. Look at the propaganda police. Got everybody running around uh, spewing the same propaganda that CNN tells them to spew. You know why? Because they have lost their ever-loving minds. They do not have, they do not have a logical brain left. And they're just spewing the same things. It's all propaganda. That's why, that's why they all sound the same. Every last one of them. And you can tell people don't think. It's like I told you that story about the lady I saw on YouTube who, who was a nurse who ran across a beach. They ran across a beach to get in the face of a man who was coming onto the beach with no mask on. She ran all the way, probably 300 yards when she saw him coming, to get in his face and scream at him that he needed to get a mask on and social distance, and she didn't have a mask on, and she was up in his face. It's like, you've not, you're not even thinking. It's just like you're so triggered by everything you've had told to you by CNN that like you just freak out. I saw a lady, this is no lie, there was a lady in the UK that was all ticked off. She pulled her car to a red light, and the man that was next to her in the car at the red light, uh, he, she motioned for him to roll his window down. And he rolled his window down and she was screaming at him through the window, you're too close to me. You're driving too close to me. You need to social distance. That, she literally said that. You're driving too, well, they're both in their cars enclosed. The windows are up. And she's screaming at the man, you're driving too close to me. It's like, you've lost your mind. People have lost their minds through all this. They don't even, no logical thought. No logical thought. When you see people driving around in their vehicle with a mask on and a face shield and they're the only one in the car, you know people have lost their minds. And they're just believing propaganda. They're just believing whatever has been spewed at them. Don't be like one of those foolish lemmings just following everybody off a cliff and laying down your rights. Don't be that person. Stand for what's right. Stand, not for what's popular, for what's right. Lena's coworker told her that she should be fired if she doesn't get the jab. I'm telling you, don't lay down your rights. Don't listen to the woke generation. They've lost their minds. Yeah, you can find me on Cell Block E preaching the gospel. Let me pray for you because, oh my goodness, you got to be kidding me. Ashley said Hank Kuhneman saw a lady in her car with masks over her AC vents. Oh my gosh. People, people have lost their minds. I'm telling you. But let me, let me pray for you because masking up their pets. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Let me pray for those of you that are watching and those of you that are listening because I'm praying the Lord will strengthen us in these final moments of time, the boldness to stand up for what is right, not what is popular. They're not the same thing. What is popular is almost never what is right. And what is right will never be popular. 
You have to remember that, especially with the spirit of this world at work, antichrist agenda. What is right will never be popular, and what's popular will never be right. And so you got to stand up, even though you're swimming upstream, because you are swimming upstream, against the current of this world. Yes, you are. I get that. But I'm going to pray God gives you boldness, puts a fire in your belly, and, and that you'll stand for what's right. Father, I pray for every person watching and every person listening today, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring an army of holy people of God, righteous people of God, and that you would give us the strength, the power, the boldness to stand against this antichrist system and agenda before Jesus comes. We might be swimming upstream. We might be swimming against the culture. We might be swimming against the spirit of this world. But Lord, we ask you to empower us Give us the grace and the power to do what you've called us to do before it's too late. Lord, give us a hunger and a desire to see people saved and changed by the power of your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would open doors for us supernaturally. As I prayed yesterday, Lord, I pray for every person who's being persecuted because they don't want to have their bodies controlled by a tyrannical government. They don't want to have their bodies violated by people with an antichrist agenda. I pray that you would open doors for them, provide for them, bless them, protect them in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that. I ask you, Lord, to bless their families. I ask you to bless their children, bless the work of their hands, protect them from harm and danger. And Lord, I pray that you'd give every one of us a fresh fire in our spirits, to stand for what the word of God says, to stand for freedom, and to preach this gospel before it's too late. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. If you believe it, throw some fire up, throw some throw some uh, hands up. Hey, Adam Pearson's back. Adam Pearson, he's back. He loved the, the program and has become a regular watcher of the broadcast. Everybody welcome Adam Pearson back from yesterday. God bless Adam Pearson. I love you guys. We're here in Montana. Last night was a wonderful meeting. Um, we, we preached on healing. And I, when I say we, I mean I. I hate when preachers do that. We were... Um, it was a wonderful thing. We had a man who'd lost hearing get healed. A woman who had scoliosis, and for 14 years, we're going to post the video today, for 14 years, constant pain in her back because of scoliosis, instantly healed by the power of God, all pain gone, the Lord touched her. And um, we're just praying and continuing to ask the Lord to touch his people. It's been wonderful. And um, and so tonight we're live again, 6.30 Mountain Time, which is 8.30 Eastern. And then, of course, uh, Thursday and Friday, uh, Carolyn will be preaching again, Crossroads, on Saturday. And we start in Logan, West Virginia on Sunday. We'd love to see you guys if you're anywhere close. For those that are watching, thank you for standing with me and Carolyn. Thank you for partnering. Um, if you're not yet partnered with us, pray today. And ask the Lord if he would be 
calling you, asking you to stand with this ministry. Adam Pearson, I didn't, I'd like to encourage you to sow a seed into our ministry financially. Adam, I'd like you to partner with this ministry financially. Adam, if you'd like to stand with what Carolyn and I are doing as we're touching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, go to miracleword.com and click on the give page or the partner page. And you can stand with us financially every single month, Adam. And um, at whatever you feel to, to sow, whatever you feel to give, $100 a month, $1,000 a month, whatever your mom gives you for allowance, you can take a portion of that and sow it into the preaching of the gospel. And um, I'd appreciate it. Thank you, Adam, because we're traveling all over the United States. Borders open back up. We're going to be traveling around the world again, seeing people changed by the power of God. Now I give you the testimony. Over 180 nations on television are hearing the gospel every week through our television program and and uh, I just got contacted by two more stations. One will cover the Caribbean. The other is going to cover uh, Afghanistan, uh, Pakistan, uh, what was the other? India. And they said by India, 1.2 million people watching at any given time. And uh, so it's exciting. The doors keep opening. We're going to run through them. And uh, we're getting everything together so that we can get the programs to these um, to these other stations. And let me tell you another cool thing. He said, if we can, if there's a way that we can get the um, captioning on our programs for when we're in some of these other countries like India and stuff, he said, it'll open the door to even more people that uh, will be able to uh, experience the gospel because they can, uh, they can read, many of them can read English much better than they can understand it spoken. And um, so it's going to be, it's going to be really, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see what God does through it. People keep getting saved every single week. I'm getting all the updates on my phone. It's amazing. Adam said, how about I send some Rogaine? So some Rogaine. He's making a joke about my hair. Adam made a joke. He's a funny man. Um, so it's exciting. And I'm very, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see what God's going to do through that. And uh, again, I, I can't tell you how excited I am for the Victory Tribe homecoming weekend in November. I cannot wait to see you guys in Allentown, Pennsylvania. If if you can get there, get there. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, I really, really am looking forward to that. And then spending time with you at the Partner Banquet, I believe that's on the 13th, which is a Saturday from, uh, from 12 noon till 3 p.m. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. I love you guys so much. For those of you that do wanna sow a seed, Again, miracleword.com, all the ways that you can give are there on the give page, the partner page. Pray, ask the Lord uh, what he would have you to do to stand with us as the gospel's being preached. It's amazing. I cannot believe. I mean, I say that, you know, not because I don't have faith, but it's just an expression. I can believe it, but it's mind-blowing to see all that God's do done in just a short period of time. Just a short period of time. It's wonderful. And God's good. I love every one of you. Thanks for hanging with me again today. I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm praying, Faith. Don't, don't worry. I am praying. Praying for you and your son. Believe in God to touch you. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me. Tonight at 8.30 Eastern, 6.30 Mountain Time, live in Revival, again Thursday and Friday. I'll be back again with you. YouTube only this week. Everybody wish Christina Garcia happy birthday. 
Today's her birthday, she's 29 years old. I love y'all. Thanks for spending time with me today. I'll talk to you again tonight and tomorrow in the morning, YouTube only. I love you. Have a blessed day. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.